and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast i'm your host brett curry ceo of omg commerce and today is an extremely important episode one because my guest is mickey agrawal mickey is a multi nine-figure e-commerce brand owner and she's one of the most creative entrepreneurs that i've ever met her ability to create artful shocking, effective marketing is really unmatched. You'll get to see that in this episode. In fact, we talk, just a a quick teaser, we talk about stories like the time she hosted a funeral for a tree in an old cathedral in New York City, and this garnered millions of dollars of free press, and it highlighted how her brand Tushy can save toilet paper waste. She was also banned from the New York subway from running ads there because some of what she did was a little bit edgy, but that story has a happy ending as well. And so this episode is just packed full of inspiration and ideas to make you a better marketer, and maybe you can follow in Mickey's footsteps and build a nine-figure brand for yourself. Now, this episode is also important because it was originally recorded not for this podcast, but for a podcast mini-series that we just launched called Spicy Curry, Hot Takes on E-Commerce and Digital Marketing. Now, don't worry, this podcast, E-Commerce Evolution, is not going anywhere, but Spicy Curry is designed to supplement and augment e-commerce evolution. So season one is a doozy and it features people like Ezra Firestone and Mickey Agarwal and Molly Pittman and Justin Brooke and Nick Shackelford and others. And it is straight fire. So to consume all of that, you do need to go subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Audible or wherever you like to consume your podcast. I'll release a couple of the episodes here on e-commerce evolution, but for all of season one, you'll have to check out Spicy Curry in all of its glory. So with that, please enjoy my interview with Mickey Agarwal. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads, Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. All right, well today I am absolutely thrilled that my guest is Mickey Agrawal. Now, I was recently at an event Capcom 5 in Austin, Texas. My good friend Ryan Daniel Moran was the host. And there was a star-studded lineup of speakers, amazing blow-your-mind speakers. And I got to say, Mickey was, was probably my favorite. And, and I hope that some of my other friends that were speaking don't hear this because I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's just that Mickey was amazing. And so uh, <laughs> Mickey is the founder of a number of, of really transformative businesses, uh, most recently Tushy. Uh, also, thanks and wild. She's also the author of some amazing best-selling books. Do cool shit, 
disrupt her, which I'm actually in the process of going about halfway through it right now. And even though it has her in the title, disrupt her instead of disrupt her, it's for dudes too, right, Mickey? And so I'm, I'm actually getting a lot of value out of it. So we're going to talk about growth and having an amazing marketing message and thinking differently and all kinds of great stuff. So Mickey, welcome to the show. And how's it going? Yes, I'm so happy to be here with you. And I just like the, the thing that I just can't, I, I'm just so like, I love is that you have eight children and you, you have, you're sitting at the table with 10 people every night for dinner. That just blows my mind. Yeah. The, the, the level of noise at the dinner table is sometimes crazy. And we do this thing called highs and lows where everybody goes around and tells their, their high of the day. You have to have a high of the day. You don't have to have a low of the day if you don't want to, but it is required to have a high. And the noise level is is crazy, but it's it's also super fun. I love that you do that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So, so part of what attracted me to you, Mickey, and why I was so thrilled to chat with you afterwards is, is one, you're like a master marketer and like the way you craft messages and the way you get attention and the way it's, it's mind blowing, which is awesome. But you're also like, you believe in strong women, right? And I've got, I've got six daughters and I just, I want them to like conquer the world. That's probably a weird thing to say, but I want them to just do whatever they, they feel led uh, and, and whatever they feel passionate about doing. And so uh, love the energy you bring and, and the inspiration you're bringing to young women as well. Six daughters. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. Like I think about the food bill just for that dinner, uh, just for that, those meals. Like it, it's just, uh, it's just, the food bill is crazy. So I'm happy to talk about that with anyone offline. Yeah. So when you, when you include groceries and eating out, it's, it, it's a, it's a median like household income for, like, <laughs> it's, it, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But uh, gr grateful to be able to do it. I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is, it is completely that's awesome. Well, well, let's let's talk about a few things. So, if you would, Mickey, give people kind of just a, the the quick background on you because we're going to dig into some of the specific messages you know that you use at Tushy and things like that. But give people the background. Like, how did you become this? Because not only were you my favorite speaker at Capcom, but I, I've seen you're like voted best speaker at at Inc. and and Fast Company and some of these other big events. You know, everybody uh, loves what you have to say. So, so really, how did you how did you get here? <laughs> um, well, I'm one of three children, um, and the interesting fun fact about my the three of us is that we are all born within one year. So I have an identical twin sister, the third sister who's 11 months older. So we're actually Irish, we're Irish, Irish twins. twins. Yeah, Irish twins and yeah. identical twins. Irish triplets. Irish triplets. Okay. <laughs> Irish, so we're twins plus Irish triplets. Which Irish triplets? Yeah. It's insane. Um, yeah, and so I think, um, and then we grew up to a Japanese mother and Indian father. So my mother's from Japan, like speaks with a thick Japanese accent. My dad is from India, speaks with a very thick Indian accent. And they you met. Do the, I'm doing the audiobook of Disrupt Her, and you do you do the Indian accent for your dad, and it's just it's just it's amazing. You do such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. His 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 most like the thing that I always say is he says when he meets somebody he goes very good wipes or very bad wipes, <laughs> you know? And immediately he goes, yeah, he, he can sniff people out just by their, their, their wipes. By their um, wipes, okay, I love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, um, and I grew up in Montreal, Canada, in French Montreal, the South Shore of Montreal, in a town called Brossard, and it's like, I grew up in French, like literally we were like the token Asians in like the most French <laughs> ever, you know? And so, um, 
it was it was really beautiful to grow up in this true mosaic of cultures. You know, Japan, India, French, you know, American, and then of course Canada attracts so many. I mean, every culture, every religion, and they're all celebrated. And so, growing up in, you know, of course, growing up in a household of of just diversity, and then going to school with just all diverse kids, I think we just learned to question everything and yeah. to look at yeah. some different angles to be like, oh, this is how the Indians look at it, this is how the Japanese look at it, this is how the French look at it, this is how the Americans look at it, this is how the Canadians look at it. This it is how- a fresh perspective rather than just everybody being the same. Yeah. Totally. So it's like mosaic versus melting pot mm. thinking. And I think that that mosaic thinking creates beautiful picture when you think about a mosaic image and it's just this all these, you know, colors and all these textures and all of, you know, um, the, the, the different histor- historical context of things creates a different f- frame than just a single pain, you know? So I think, you know, I, I was, you know, very blessed in, in, in just being born in that, in where I was born to be given the, the various perspectives to not just be like, okay, this is the way it is. It's like, wait, is this or... Should I question it? And is there a better way? Or is there a more thoughtful way? Or that kind of thing. When, when did you realize that, hey, I might be an entrepreneur? Or have you ever, like, is that really a conscious thought? Like, when, when did you think, hey, I'm going to build companies? And not just companies, but wildly successful and disruptive companies, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, it, I, I think I'm just genuinely unemployable. <laughs> I think I'm just like, you're not my Indian father. You know, that kind of vibes where, like, anytime someone told me what to do, I would, like, blood would rush to my head and I would just get really you know, frustrated and I would, I don't know, get triggered or something. But no, I, I think I just always beat to my own drum. And I think because of this questioning, because of this philosophy of looking at things from different perspectives, I think we just, I, I just always had different ideas that I wanted to put out in the world that, that, um, that entrepreneurship, when it was introduced to me, I remember, I'll never forget, I met my very first entrepreneur standing in line in New York City when I was 22 years old at this like Armani party. I was like invited to the VIP, my very first like uh, VIP, you know, like, you know, door, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so cool. I was like, Armani, you know, whatever. And um, back when it was, you know, really cool to go to those things. And um, and and I remember standing in line and, and in front of me was this gentleman who I'd met and his, his name is Graham and he's now since become one of my dearest friends. But I met him randomly standing in line in front of me then, I was 22, and he was like in he was like in his mid 30s when I met him, and I was like, oh, like what are you up to? And he's like, I'm an entrepreneur, and I was like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, I know I have my own business, and this is by the way in 2001 when there was like, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't like a school thing. It wasn't uh, no one was getting invested in. Like it wasn't a thing. I mean, Facebook wasn't even there until 2006. Now, now it's super trendy. Everybody wants to say entrepreneur, stamp that on their. Now, like everyone. But back then, nobody, it was doctor, lawyer, investment banker, consult, management consultant, going to work for a company, yeah. you know, like becoming a whatever at a company. Like you just, becoming a person who starts a business was just not even in the lexicon and the zeitgeist of culture back then. And so I remember saying, and he was like, I'm not I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I have my own company. I'm like, well, what do you do? And he's like, well, I, I started a company called treehugger.com. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, and I sold it. And then he sold the Discovery Channel, whatever. And I was like, wow. Like, and then he, the next day, invited me to this brunch with a bunch of other entrepreneurs. And that's when it was like my big ding, ding, ding moment. I can start my own company. I'm going to do, do that. And, and I think like in life, 
we just get given these gifts of, you know, meeting chance meetings and, and either we kind of get opened by it or we close to it. And I was sort of just blasted open by the possibilities of that. And I think that's what really put me on the course of this new opportunity, this new way of thinking and being and, and that, and then, and then carried forward. It's amazing. And so I, I do want to give, well, let's give kind of a, a brief overview of, of some of the companies, right? Just to, to give people some some texture and some more context. So so your mind was blown. You're thinking, I could do my own thing. And then you have, and you've been wildly successful really at, at essentially everything. But can you give give a, a quick rundown of, of the companies and, and what they've done? Yeah. Um, well, I will first start by saying, you know, one of the big, biggest stories that, that changed, of course, my life was when I was 22, like after that, that time, like 9-11 happened. And that was a huge turning point in my life yeah. where... If you were an investment yeah. banker, like working down on Wall yes. Street, right? Or, yeah, I was, yeah. World Trade Center was my subway stop every single morning. And it was, I was working at Deutsche Bank and investment bank, can't call it Douche wow. Bank. <laughs> um, Which someone is asking for that, honestly, right? Deutsche Bank, it's so close to douche. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to make the jokes, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, when I was there, it was, it was sort of, um, I was, uh, so yeah, 9-11 happened. I was supposed to be there. You know, two World Trade Center was my subway stop every single morning. And, you know, I would walk upstairs to get, you know, to two World Trade Center, the cafe there, and I would get tea with my girlfriend who worked on the hundredth floor. And then I would walk across the street to my office directly across from Two World Trade Center. And then 9-11 happened and it was, you know, the first day of my life, the only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. That is you know, crazy yeah. and amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, and 700 people in my girlfriend's office died on that day. Uh, two, people, two people in my office died. It was like one of those, like, uh, just like, you can't make this shit up. Like, this is not a real movie. Like that kind of level of yeah. unfathomableness. Unfathomable, yeah. Yeah, and so, that single experience, you know, again, it's those moments that I kind of really recognize as these turning points in my life. And that was a big turning point in my life where I was like, wow, I could die tomorrow. And even when you're 22, you don't think about death. Like, I feel like we start thinking about death, like after we have children in a lot of ways. And I'm just like always making sure I'm not going to die, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure for you, your eight children, I can't know you, I don't even know how you're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> But, but death, you know, just not a thing when, you, when you're a kid, when you're like 22, you're just sort of like, just like whatever. You're not thinking about it at all. Yeah. Not thinking about it at all. And so, and so, but then because I had this near potential death experience and people around me were dying, died. And I was just sort of like, wow, this is a real thing. And I really felt my mortality in that moment. And it was like, wow, I got to. I gotta make every single day count. Gotta do something. Yeah, we're, we're right. gonna we're gonna blink and we're gonna be seventy, right? And so, like, what That's what right. are you gonna fill your time with now? Yeah. That's right. And so, so yeah, for me, it was it was you know I, I wrote down three things. The first was to play soccer professionally. The second was to make movies, and the third was to start a business. And, and that's, that sort of set me on a, a sort of a total path after 9-11. I played soccer for the New York Magic. I worked in the film industry for, for a couple of years. And then I started my first business, which was in the restaurant space. And so my first business was born out of a stomach ache. You know, we, we know that famous saying, necessity is the mother of invention. Yes, and so, yes, so true. Yeah, yeah. so the first business was born out of a stomach ache. And I, and I um, you know, couldn't eat pizza anymore. It was my favorite comfort food, but I just couldn't eat anymore because it made me bloated and gassy and just so gross feeling after I ate it. And it was full of bleached flour, processed cheese, sugar-filled sauces, processed toppings, with all that. And so um, 
Yeah, so I, so I basically started New York City's very first gluten-free alternative pizza concept. And, you know, we're 17 and a half years later, we're still in business, almost 18 years this year, in November, 18 amazing. years. And, and yeah. it's called Wild, correct? Called Wild, Eat, Drink, Wild. Yeah, on Instagram, just got to add to Eat, Drink, Wild on Instagram. We have a couple locations in New York City and one in Guatemala. And, um, and, and then- you for surviving the pandemic. Like I couldn't imagine owning a restaurant during the pandemic in New York City. That's, that had been just absolutely brutal, so. It was nuts. Grateful. It was yeah. nuts. My, my partner Walid is incredible, and he's such an ingen- like an engine in- ingenious person. Yeah. He's lots of ingenuity. Where where actually what we did was we we opened up on Seamless Web three restaurants under like in our out of our out of our restaurant. So like during the pandemic, not only did we have our regular standard fare, but we opened up two different restaurants working out of our kitchen. So basically, we made like tacos and we did like burgers or whatever so that people could order from us multiple times a week oh so super smart super take away and not just have our you know gluten-free pizza stuff every every week but they would have tacos one night and different stuff and and so we just opened three right. different restaurants under the same roof during the pandemic and and then we got the outdoor cafe seating and that our business all yeah. came back yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, and it was it was actually incredible because it felt like a bit of Europe being in in New York with all the outdoor cafes everywhere and people walking around with the menu. It was just it was very romantic, very beautiful. Um, yeah. So the so the restaurants was the very first business I learned. I think I learned so much of the thesis around people and psychology in my restaurants that, that then led to building things and led to building Tushy, you know, both, you know, to now valued over nine figures and well over nine. Yeah. And so, and so, um, I, I, what I learned at, at, um, at wild was, was when I stood outside my restaurant for almost seven years, handing out little pieces of pizza, you know, just handing them out. So that's, that's how you grew the business was, was samples. Like, yeah. Sampling. Yeah. And getting people to try. Cause I'm like, and I would also test, like if I said healthy pizza, people wouldn't come. But yeah. if I said, you know, farm fresh, healthy, farm to table pizza, people would be like, oh, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants healthy pizza. That sounds like cardboard, but, but farm exactly. to table pizza. Interesting. Yeah. And so you were yeah. like, you were testing out those messages as people were walking by. Yeah. A-B testing, like, like literally like email head subject. Head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was such seven years of, it was like genuinely like a, like double PhD in, in, in human psychology and what led people to come closer to attract them or to kind of move them back. And it was a really interesting thing just by literally person by person, like hand-to-hand combat, just yeah. really getting That's to know amazing. people. And, um, and that experience led, led to this thesis understanding of that, that again, built, built thinks and tushy, which was, you know, having a best in class product. Like if, if someone bit into it, they're like, Ugh, and you're just like, or someone, matter, yeah. someone wore my underwear at my period, like right now I'm wearing my period proof underwear. It was so amazing because I, I, I went to my bathroom. I started my period today. I went to my bathroom. You're like, I have six daughters. I don't even worry so, about it. So me. it does not bother me in the lead. Like, yeah, this is a, a common conversation around my house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And again, it, like, it is the podcast first though, first to be confessed on the podcast, which I, I embrace this. I welcome this. this is awesome. So. I mean, first of all, like every single human being is here because of a woman's period. So like, you're welcome, you know, to be yes. more yes. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I so, so today this morning I went to the bathroom and I was kind of like you know like a little there's a little bit of you know blood everywhere and so I basically sat on my toilet used my tushy bidet washed myself <laughs> clean yep. and then put my things underwear on and I was just like, like oh, this is amazing. 
I solved my own problem twice just now in this moment. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is why this is why these businesses are doing well, because it genuinely they truly, truly, truly solve problems that we face every single authentically solving the problem, not just like identifying a problem and kind of addressing it just for like a cash grab, but you authentically solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is why like, you know, in my, I, I, in my book, do cool shit. I I talk about the three questions I always ask myself before starting any business. Mm -hmm. The first question is what sucks in my world? It has to start with me, a problem in my world that sucks. And then question number two is, does it suck for a lot of people? Yeah. Because if it just sucks for me, then like, you know, I'm kind of a diva or whatever, who cares? <laughs> um, and then the third question, which I think is the most important, which is, can I be passionate about this issue, cause or community for a really long time? You know, we know the saying, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Yes. And, you know, people, you know, like don't want to sit in that discomfort for a really, really long time. And then they quit or decide to leave early and they don't kind of get through it. You know, I, I think about, you know, the entrepreneurs, I think about the musicians, I think about the actors, I think about all the people in my life who've made it and they've made it because they've kind of grinded for a really long time and they made through and they, and they just stuck with their passion. They stuck with the thing they truly believed in. And so um, I think, yeah, what sucks in my world is stuck for a lot of people. Can I be passionate about this issue? I think the passion piece is the most important. It's super passion. important. And this is something I think you may have shared at CapCon or maybe with somebody else, but you know, tactics without the underlying passion are, are worthless, right? Or it's going to be short-lived, right? Tactics only work for so long, right? Like you've got to have that passion and that drive to push through all the, the messy and confusing and heartache and, and suffering that you have to go through as a, as a business owner. And so, yeah, the passion is, is super, super important. Now, um, why, why do you think you're so attracted to like difficult things to sell, right? So we'll start with pizza first, right? So selling healthy gluten-free pizza when you started the business, gluten-free wasn't trendy. Like gluten-free wasn't a selling point. It's not something you want to stick on all your labels because people were like, what, what are you even talking about? Yeah. And then and no, one was talking about, no one was talking about farm to table. No one was talking no. about, no one was talking about seasonal. This is in 2003, 2004. I mean, it was still super nascent. All of those conversations. Yeah. So it was extremely yeah. different. And when you started Thinks, which is period-proof underwear, no one's really talking about periods, right? Or not not wanting to talk about it, and, and maybe Everyone something we won't talk about now. But yeah, you just got to get over it. And so, but then also tushy, a bidet. Like I, I still remember so many conversations just as stuff started to to, to get in the news. People were like, "Oh, bidets are nasty," and I'm like. How is it nasty to use water to clean yourself versus dry paper? But anyway, you're choosing these categories that are that are difficult. Like it's new to people or taboo to people. Why do you think? It's a, it's, well, it's a culture. It's a culture shift that I'm interested in. I think from a creative perspective and a, as a creative challenge, like how do you change people's behavior is the hardest change to make. And then how do you utilize innovation and creativity to do that? And so I think from a creative kind of person's perspective, it's like, wow, like this is a really fun challenge to tackle. How do you get someone to change your behavior when it comes to food, when it comes to habits, daily habits that they've been doing their whole lives, not even their, their whole lives, but for generations to get them to try something new and not only try it, but adopt it fully. I mean, that is, that is why Toto hasn't made it to America yet. That is why, you know, the, you know, tampons and pads, which were invented by men, which is fine, but what, but not, not that fine because they were made for women. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's like, it's like, you know, those are the most pervasive products in the, in the world because, you know, because it's taboo. And so like, how do we 
enter these conversations in a way that's artful, in a way that's accessible, and we're using the best-in-class product. And I think those are the, my thesis that I learned in the, from the pizza, from the restaurants, was that, was, was the three prongs. Prong number one is best-in-class product. It has to be a best-in-class product. It has to be a bidet that when I clip to my toilet, it actually feels good. It looks good. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't. It, you know, it, it, it doesn't make me. Doesn't look it adds like adds to the appearance of your bathroom. Like it adds to the. It makes your yeah. bathroom feel better, cleaner. It makes it more upscale and cool. It makes people want to bring you to their to bathroom when you're having a dinner party. You know, like that. You know, or when you're wearing things like when I'm wearing my underwear right now, I feel really sexy in them. I feel really taken care of in them. I know that I'm protected. I know that this product works. You know, like, so so best-in-class product, the pizza, when I eat it, it tastes like the most delicious pizza. It doesn't even taste gluten-free. It tastes like the most delicious pizza you've ever tasted. So best-in-class product, no question. This, that is, that, is, that is baseline. Second prong to really shift culture is art, using art to really challenge the conversations. And I talked a little bit about this at, at Capcom, um, where, you know, when, when I remember putting, you know, like putting our, our first... Um, tushy ads up or our first period, you know, ads up, you know, out in the world, whether online or offline, you know, people's first reaction were like, wow, that's so beautiful. And then their second reaction, oh my God, they're talking about poop. They're talking about periods. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, but their very first reaction was leaning into the art and the beauty of that. And I think that that opens up people's hearts and minds. Art just does that. And, and for everyone at every level, does that you know it opens art just just gives people a, you know something to lean into and I think when they're leaning into something it's it 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 makes them be curious and so the first thing is can we design from a lens of art so we hired all artists we hired all creatives you know I, I think like art is such a beautiful lens to shift people's perspective I mean it's why people go to museums people, people look at magazines people look at nature as art, you know, and a place to go and really open up our souls, open up our perspectives, change the way we look and see things. And I think that really um, lends itself to giving people the space to question their existing thinking. And I think that's all we need to do is give them that space to question and they can make the decision for, them, for themselves. And so that's so, so, so then, so there's the artfulness, the best in class innovation. And then the third part is the accessible, relatable language. I think we so often want to be so heady and so clinical and so technical and so medical and so academic and sound really smart and make, make everyone feel like we've been doing all this patent pending work and whatever. And it's just like, yeah. you know, people don't care. They want to know, does it work? Does it make me yeah, feel good? Does, yes. does it support me? Does it support my life? Like, what's the point of this? Like, I don't care about your terminology. And, yeah. like, I don't care about all how high, high sounding you are you smart, like, you know, whatever. Like, I just want to know if it, if it, so, and then, so like we used, to, I tested all of that. That was all tested. And I, I learned that the more we speak from our space of truth, the more we speak from our place of like that fire, like lit fire inside, we talked about that Capcom as well, it was you know, the more we, we speak from that real, true, authentic place, people respond because it feels, it's real, it's true, it's not coming from like, I wonder what they want me to say and I'm just gonna say it that way. That doesn't, that doesn't feel good to, to receive that kind of inauthentic message. Like imagine if you're receiving a text message from a best friend and you can tell when they're being inauthentic or they're authentic. You can tell when your sister or brother is being inauthentic. You can tell when your wife or husband is being inauthentic or authentic. And so it's just that, um, 
can we write copy? Can we text? Can we can we can we write our messaging in the same way as as we're texting our best friend? Yeah. And I think that is such an important way to think about um, messaging to people because it's 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 just we're just being bombarded with advertisements with so much people shouting at us and we don't we don't want that we want authentic truth we just want that truth juicy truth yeah and um and 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 i think that truth is really what and that truth coupled with art coupled with the right beautiful aesthetic the right innovation that you would want to use where on a daily basis that together creates change creates culture shift and I've seen that time and time again across Wild, across Thanks, and across Tushy. All three, all three of them share the same philosophy of best-in-class product, artful aesthetic design across every touchpoint of our brand, and accessible, relatable language across every touchpoint of the brand. I love it so much. And really, when you combine all of that, plus you go to back to the starting point from, from your first book, Do Cool Shit, it has to be addressing something that sucks for you and sucks for a lot of people, right? So it's got it's got to be that. And so then, then when it's addressing a real issue, and then you've got the artful design and best in class, and it works, and you got accessible, relatable language, all that comes together, and and it just works. And what's so interesting, what was so powerful for me, and I remember talking to the guy that was sitting next to me at Capcom, and I, and I made a, a couple comments about this. You know, I've been in the ad world for a long time, right? So there's like the, there's like the brand building space of, of advertising, which is interesting. There's direct response, which I, I followed and studied for a long time. And I've worked like in the infomercial space and stuff. But you have this ability to create stuff that looks beautiful. Like you just want to look at it, right? It's, 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 it's an ad for a bidet, but you want to look at it. But it also kind of makes you say, I'd like to try that. I'd like, I, I would like a clean butt too, right? I would like to do, you know, and so, so, cause I think sometimes people get, get, they go too far into the art and it's abstract and it's like, well, I don't even know what you're trying to say to me uh, versus, or I'm, I'm, you know, talking about patent pending and all aloof and who cares. Um, so how do you strike that balance and how do you, how do you create something that's, that's fridge worthy, as you say, artful and fridge worthy, but also that connects and makes you say, I want to buy that underwear or I want to buy that bidet. How, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, first, just to quickly unpack the word fridge-worthy for those who don't know what that term yeah, means. Yeah. Fridge-worthy, fridge-worthy simply means um, the idea that, you know, when you walk into your home and you go to your kitchen and you see your fridge, you know, you go out before you get to grab a beer or whatever from your fridge, you, you know, there, you see your fridge. And on your fridge are emblems of your life. You see, um, you know, pictures of your family members, of your eight children, and your ten-person family. So they pick the whole fridge, exactly. Yeah, the whole thing. You know, you you have you know invitations to weddings. You have little postcards from family members. You have little pictures of nieces and nephews, or whatever it is, right? Um, hi, Stan. Um, and um, you know, it, my challenge to my team has always been. Can you create something so beautiful, so artful, and so personal that it can make the small real estate on your fridge? That it can really like make that small personal space on your fridge, that it can take up that space, that you, that you can make something for Tushy or Think so beautiful, something so cool that it can live in your home in some way. And so we design from that lens 
And from that lens of, again, it hits you personally, makes you feel something. It does cause you to shift and think differently. Now it's not just about, well, I'm going to choose blue. Like you're, you're thinking about everything differently. Yeah. Like what, 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 what is it that's going to make, how does it make me feel? And that, that's a different lens to creating. For sure. Not. For sure. Yeah. So then how do you blend fridge worthy then with like some, some true sales power, right? Or yes. some power to make people say, I want to buy this. So I always say to my team, like, in the art of it, I still need to know. I mean, it depends. Like, like you said, there's top of funnel stuff where you want to create intrigue and mystery. And yeah. that kind of stuff is like, you know, if you look at our Tushy Bellagio spot that we just shot, I just shot this, this ad where, where I finally figured out where my friend is this genius um, rigging person and he rigged 10 toilets with bidets on them with our tushy ace bidets on them that we can play them like a piano and and with like, like a the Bellagio fountains Bellagio fountain <laughs> and so basically I'll, I'll, I'll share I'll text it to you right after this it's crazy and so basically it plays so we, we made this like you know, like da, 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 da. <laughs> wildly weird thing and we don't show you very much about it, but it just says at the tagline at the end, which makes you mysterious and makes you want to click and see what the hell this is, right? So there's that, there's that mystery and entry which hooks you into wanting to know more. The curiosity play, yeah. Curiosity, pure curiosity play, pure top of funnel, just getting stuffing people in, and then we spend the rest of the time really converting them to the bottom, bringing them down the funnel, educating them on the product, the value propositions, and all of that. So that's the one strategy. The other strategy for top of funnel, like we, we I always think about prospecting. I always think about how do you get people to both fall in love with our brand, with our, with our like ethos, with our playfulness, with our just joie de vivre, with our like love of life. You know, they can feel it in the thing, but they're also understanding what is a product? How does it work? Why do I need it? You know, so it really answers those questions. Like, in a, and, and maybe like, why do I need it? Like we just shot another, another commercial with the singing toilets, with the kind of the playing toilets where it's this very Wes Anderson weird thing where it's like five people lay and they stick their heads in the toilets like at once and they're like laying on these, which kind of represents the heated seat. And then, you know, all of a sudden they, you know, like we're, we're, we, we, we start spraying like, you know, like I start kind of smushing ice cream on this guy's face. And, and then like, you know, this one woman like takes a chocolate cake and squishes it in her white glove. And then she smacks it on the ass of this, of white pants of this guy. So it's kind of represents all taking a shit, basically the chocolate. And, the shit. and so, and then, and then the sprays go off and it's, and then we get clean and it's this debaucherous clean thing. And then we press the blow dryer and then we're getting blow dried. So you're seeing the valve of how it works. Like you're seeing the, like, you know, we press the remote and then the, the, the nozzles go off and it starts spraying, it's clean. And then you press the dry and it just blow dries us. And you see a slow-mo, the hair, yeah, you know, yeah, blow yeah. walk out of frame. So you're kind of, you're, you're getting the idea of like what this thing is, but you're still intrigued, tickled. You feel good vibes. You feel good, very good yeah. vibes. You know, you're probably you feel laughing. You're probably like, I can't believe I'm watching this. But yes. it also, it's also a product demonstration in a really fun yes. and creative and crazy yes. way, which is which is super yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, so, so it's 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 like a, it's a lot of things. And, and I always look at what are our best performing ads. Our best performing ads are the edutaining ones, ones that are hilarious, and the one that the ones that educate tells you how why you need it, how it works, and like how to install, how to use it. Yeah. Totally you know, and so, but in a really simple, easy way. And so we, 
Yeah, it's, it, is, it is an art and science, and they, they have to go hand in hand, and creative and marketing always do sometimes have this natural tension, but I think it's a good tension if you have the right leadership. Healthy like a healthy tension, yeah. Love it. So one thing you talk about a lot, and I remember you, you showing these examples, that you, you'll use actual statements from real customers, and, and, and you also talk about campfire stories, sharing campfire stories as a team or whatever to, to, to kind of stir up uh, creativity. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like how, how do you use customer uh, statements in your ads? And then what about campfire stories? Yeah, so, um, so you know, I always think like, you know, our best advocates are our customers, our users, people who love our products. It just, it's so, uh, it makes so much sense. And so many times like, you know, uh, like, the companies are scared so they don't want to bother their customers, but if the customers love it and you're asking them, hey, like just fill in the blank, thinks is blank. This is or my favorite. This is my favorite. Yeah. Just fill in the blank. Just Tushy is fill in the blank. Tushy is blank. Just fill in the blank. And you know, within 24 hours, we got a thousand responses, you know, for like for things specifically, it was things is Mary Poppins in my pants. Thanks and strength, freedom and dignity for all women. You know, Tushy is like, Tushy is like, um, it's like. One of them uh, was the eye candy, but bliss. I wrote it down, get that the thing. You know, you can eat off my butthole. It's like, Tushy, you can eat off my butthole. You know, and just like, my rusty starfish has never been so clean. Like, stuff like that, where it's just like crazy, hilarious. Yeah. Random, but especially like, when you know that it was a real customer that said it, it's like okay, that's super fun, and I'm I'm now totally entertained by yeah. reading this. By a real, and we always say like name of customer by you know like from a real pooping human, and so like we we now use these campaigns all as as actual campaigns and taglines and you know for for our company because our customers know us best, and so and we don't have to oftentimes scratch our heads to like ask ourselves what creativity can we use? We can literally just reach out to our customer base and they'll give us, and they're delighted in giving it to us. And, and if they see it in the world, they'll be like, oh my God, that's my line. And they now feel- And then they totally will put that on the fridge, right? They will totally put yeah. that and share and it with everyone they know. And share with all their friends, tell everyone they know and make it, it just like, you know, it, it engages people, it tracks them. It's the same thing with PR. I talk about that a lot. Like we do a ton of inbound marketing, inbound PR. And and we get a ton, we've get, we've been we've gone viral so many different times, and it's because again studying the psychology of people like how do you create intrigue how do you create mystery where they want to complete the storyline so you know often you know like people are like send press releases and like hope that the press will write about them but it just never works it piles up on people's desks versus. You know, you send these mysterious boxes where you have to assemble this thing or, un, you know, like, like, you know, unscramble a riddle. So recently we just launched our Tushy Ace product, our, our electric bidet seat with the most beautiful remote in the world. You know, our very the heated seat, right? Which, by the way, if you've ever experienced a heated toilet seat, it, it is pretty magical. It really is. Heated seat, warm water, blow dries your butt, best blow dryer in the market. Like, yeah. it's not like where you have to still use toilet paper because it's, it's, this is like a nice, strong you know yep. and so we, we it's and it's the most beautiful it looks like an apple product it's the most gorgeous remote our design it's just it's the most beautiful product and so we were, we were we were launching this and you know our team we were like okay we're going to um you know create mystery around this product and so we put together these um deck of cards and these deck of cards that we made we made actual like tushy deck of cards with by hand, like, you know, designed by hand by my, by my designers. 
And we said, okay, and we had this instruction sheet for the press and we said, pull out all the royal flushes. Nice, royal flushes. And so the royal, they pull out the royal flushes and they had to unscramble the royal flushes based on the riddles that they were given. So like, okay, the, like for the diamond royal flushes, um, this is the riddle and you had to unscramble it based on the different words, the letters that appeared on the, you know, 10 Jack, Queen, King, Ace. There was like a letter hidden that then unscrambled based on the riddle. And so then we, so then it made the, it made the press have to work hard to ha- actually, you know, unscramble and send the responses. And then, the, and then once they get the Toshi Ace product and install it, they're going to feel like they've accomplished something. Like they actually... You know, it feels, they feel so much better. And they're so engaged and you've, you've delighted so them. You just made their day in, in so many ways. Instead of just like sending them a product, review it. You know, it's like you're almost like dance monkey dance versus like, let me bring you into this fun, mysterious story with us. And we're going to be surprised and delighted together. And we're giving you this, we're going this extra mile for you to make you just, just regale in the delight. You know, and I think that that is what people want in life. They want to be just surprised and delighted. They want to be regaled and like, <gasps> and giggle. They want their heart to flutter and be. They want, they want magic. Yeah. They want mystery. They want excitement. They want, yeah, they want to be, be kind of caught up in something, right? Not just uh, like, reading. doesn't want to be caught up in this like, <gasps> moment, you know? And, and it feels so good and it just enlivens our being. And um, So how did that and, work and that, out? How did, what, what was the press's reaction to that? Well, I mean, this one, we just sent them out actually last week. So we're still in underway. But guess what? The fact that we had almost, I think it was like 20 press asked for these cards. Because first we were like, we're going to send you a mysterious package. Are you willing to take it? We need your home address because we're COVID times. And so we had like nearly almost 20 press gave us their home addresses to send send them the mystery packages. And so that already means that they're going to be, they're hooked. You know, we did this before with, for things where we had people go and smash bricks and they had to like open the bricks and look for these invitations and they, 80 people showed up to our event after they smashed the things, 80 press RSVP'd. We had another event where we poked a hole in eggs and put, put these mystery scrolls in them. And then all 20 press showed up to our event because they wanted to crack open the egg and look at the scrolls. We said, you can't open them until you come to the event. And so, you know, so it's just creating the mystery, creating the intrigue. It's human nature that when they start something, they want to finish it. Yeah, they don't like yeah. complete storylines. They like to complete storylines. And when there's an incompletion, there's still this intrigue, this mystery that keeps you wanting more. And so um, we're, 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 we're in that storyline right now with Toshi Ace, and I'll, I'll let you know how it goes, but I feel very yeah, confident. That, yeah, that, that, that idea of opening and closing loops, right? Once a loop is open, people want to close and they want to figure out, they want to solve the mystery. That's why cliffhangers work and, and all of those things. And so and in, relationship, yeah. in, in, in relationship and romance, it's like yes. it's all... Thing. You're romancing, you're you're seducing. It's it's the same kind of you know storyline. It's so much fun, you know yeah. that game. Yeah, yeah. And I know you've got to go, so I've got like two quick things. But I also want to mention just just briefly, you talked about two stories, two two events, because you're like you're the master of doing these just crazy off the wall events that also work. So so one was ButtCon and one was uh, the funeral for a tree for Tushy. Are those outlined in one of your books? Because it, it, even if if nothing else, oh, like yeah. no, they're not. Oh dang it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Not yet, but my next, maybe I might have a Do Cool Shit sequel and talk about Toshi. Okay. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll highlight that or I'll find the story that I can put. Anyway, I'll, I'll let the audience I'm happy, know. I'm happy, to share, I mean, happy to share them really quick. I, I can share them over the next couple of minutes, no problem. Okay, we, yes, we let's, let's do it quickly over the next two minutes, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, um, so, so, so 
you know, again, like it's all about creating unorthodox events, unorthodox gatherings that make people go, huh, what are you talking about? What is this? So we held two kind of events um, before COVID happened and we're going to now resume them once once COVID's now, you know, finally, hopefully at bay. But one of them was called Funeral for a Tree and the other one was called ButtCon. The Funeral for a Tree is we actually held a real funeral for a dead tree at the Judson Memorial Church, which is the biggest memorial church in all of New York City in Washington Square Park. And it's like a 400 seat, or we, 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 we had a 400 seat um, capacity and we sold out. And it was, we, we had a 25 part choir. We had Mark, Matthew Morrison, the, you know, the actors of our dear friends playing the Reverend. We had his wife, Renee, who's one of my best friends as well, who played, you know, Maple, the wife of the dead tree. Um, we just, we had, it was just the most wild experience. And the people who came, they were yeah, like- People reading felt- eulogies, which, which I got to hear one. It was hilarious, you know, just, just super funny and well done. It was just people, I mean, it was just like comedy. It was sad. It was beautiful. It was inspiring. It was all of the above. And people left so inspired to save trees, you know, and to be yeah. an environmentalist and to do it by buying tushy, by doing all kinds, you know, so like, but it was so like, it wasn't a It didn't feel like a sales pitch. It didn't feel like a, hey, here's your coupon for tushy as you walk out the door. One second, it didn't feel like, it just felt like tushy opened my eyes to these important things about. We're killing so just, a lot of trees because of toilet paper, and here's, you know, how we That's right. 15 million trees are cut down every single year because of toilet paper consumption. 30 million cases of urinary tract infections, hemorrhoids, all these health, you know, hygiene issues, not to mention, you know, planetary issues. All of these things could be alleviated by just using a bidet, using using tushy, under $100 product, you know? And so we, but, but that wasn't, we didn't even say any of that stuff at a funeral for a tree event. That was just like, we just put on this amazing event bought, brought to you by Tushy. And people just were like, this was the most inspiring theatrical event I've ever been to. You, you know, insane oh. press on it. Just, just, you know. And, and same thing with ButtCon. ButtCon, we held this event called ButtCon, which was all things butt related. We had butt lift surgeons. We had anal reconstructive surgeons. We had anal porn stars. We had cake sitters who makes, makes money on sitting on cakes as a living. Like, she's like, you know, I, I, she did a class on making money on your ass. I mean, just... Crazy things like we had Kim Kardashian's physical butt trainer came and showed us how to do butt exercise. We had twerking champions doing the twerk, teaching people how to twerk. We had like just name, we had gut doctor, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's one of my dearest friends, and he did a whole gut and butt, you know, like session yeah. on how to do the, the, the right poops and what the right poops look like. You know, we had, you know, again, like every walk of life in the realm that touched the butt or gut or the poop space you know, was there. And we had, you know, 49 press of the top, 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 top press, you know, came to the event because they were like, what the hell is ButtCon? We had to see for ourselves. What are you doing? What are you doing? And and the press you got from both those events, like to pay for that kind of exposure would be almost impossible, but you got it because you did some crazy stuff. Yeah, it was was truly... um, uh, again, another reminder that just, you know, what you put in, like, you know, when you put in people, like, if you build it, they will come. Yes. If you build it, they will come. And 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 you have to build spectacles. Again, things that surprise and delight, things that make people go, I need to go and see what this is about. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's, that's the most important thing. I love that. I love it. So I know you've got to go. So just kind of in closing, if people are listening to this and they're like, 
I need more Mickey Agrawal in my life. And so where can they one go to to, to find your books, but but also like just experience your marketing because hopefully this has opened your eyes a little bit. Like you need to pay attention to what Mickey is doing from a marketing standpoint. You're gonna learn a lot. So how can people get more Mickey in their life? Yes. Well, first they can go to my, um, you can also always, you know, come check me out on Instagram where um, I answer most people's questions pretty directly. Like people have questions, I'm pretty good about responding. So in Instagram is just at Mickey Agarwal. You can also go to MickeyAgarwal.com. I have, um, if you subscribe to my, my, uh, my MickeyAgarwal.com page, you'll actually get one disruptive move every week to do for yourself and for your business. And um, so it's like 52 disruptive moves. And um, so that's just on MickeyAgarwal.com. And of course, go to HelloTushy.com. Check it out. Get a, get a Tushy bidet. It's the best yes, gift of yes. all time. Holidays, it's the best gift. It's just the best gift you can do for yourself. I mean, period, end of story uh-huh. from a health high like confidence, feeling sexy, feeling good perspective. Um, and then, um, and then um, you can also, oh, if you want to learn about the strategies, yeah. I mean, definitely do cool shit, disruptor, check out my books. But then if you want to actually learn about all of my tactics and all of my strategy of building my companies from zero to 100 million plus, I, I built an actual course called Zero to 100 Million on Mind Valley. And um, no, if you go to my- I'll link, I'll link to that in the show notes. If you go to my link in bio on my Instagram, I link to a free masterclass and one hour masterclass, which goes into a lot of these campaigns, but then it also links to the quest for my, the Mind Valley quest called zero to hundred million. So um, definitely check it. Gotta check it out. I gotta check that out. I gotta, I gotta watch that. And, and, I, and I'm going through Disruptor right now. I absolutely love it. I highly recommend it. I like the audio version. I like, I, I'm an auditory learner and, and you narrate the books. So I get to listen to more Mickey as, as I'm, I'm driving <laughs> around. And so that's been awesome as well. So, uh, Mickey, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I, I've been inspired and got some some new ideas cooking around in my head. I know other people have too. So really, really appreciate yeah. it. Yay. It's happy right. to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What do you think about the show? What do you, hear, what do you, what do you want to hear more of, less of? Let us know. And until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.